0: right, good to see everybody here this morning. Palm Sunday, 2022. I'm glad to be here this morning in the house of the Lord. All right, we're releasing our children to their classrooms this morning. And uh, I know they got something great in store. And uh, our Sunday school, get ready. All of you young kids going to Sunday school today, get ready because we're we're about to just make the orange grove into something very spectacular. There's some great plans coming very, very soon. Amen. Good to see everyone here. A couple quick things I wanted to kind of go through before we jump into the word this morning. Uh, The first thing is is that uh, this is Palm Sunday, which kicks off Holy Week, Passion Week. And uh, there's, no, there's no better time to be a Christian than when you're celebrating pa- Passion Week and all that God has done. And so this week, we have several things going on, uh, in, in kind of in coordination with that. First thing is is that Wednesday night, Pastor Carl is going to be doing a teaching uh, about passion, about the, the, the passion of the Christ, uh, all around it, the, the, the different things that transpired during Passion Week up until Easter. You don't want to miss this, this Wednesday night. It's going to be a great study. Then on Friday night, we've been talking about this quite a bit is Good Friday. That's when we celebrate uh, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Uh, We're going to have a worship night in the amphitheater. Uh, We're going to be receiving communion together. If you've never been to one of these Good Friday services here at Elevate, I'm telling you, in for something special. It's just a fantastic, fantastic time of worship under the stars. Uh, wonderful, wonderful time. We really encourage you to come. Bring someone with you People are open to be around the house of God during Easter season. And It's a great opportunity for you to invite someone to, to, to join with you. It's an outdoor uh, concert type environment, and uh, just a special special time. You really, really invite your friends. So so important that you do that. And then following that up is Easter Sunday is next Sunday. And uh, we've got a lot planned, a lot of exciting things that are going to be happening on Easter Sunday here at Elevate, and uh, you, won't be, you, you won't be disappointed, I guarantee you that. great time to celebrate the resurrection of our Savior. Last, uh, yesterday, Brynn kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier, but we had 34 people out on the streets evangelizing yesterday, which was awesome. Yeah, so cool. And what we found out, we did a little experiment. We did an outreach at 11 a.m., and we did an outreach at 2 p.m. And the 11 a.m. and the 2 p.m., the, there was a very big difference. Double the amount of people came at 2 o'clock, which tells me that most of you sleep in on Saturday. That's what it tells me. Uh, but we had a great time. And we actually hit a, an entire area of our city, like literally every house for several blocks, uh, just, 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 just letting everyone know about Easter. We're really believing that God will give some curiosity to those people, open those flyers, and take a look at them. And we're believing that God's going to bring some people from our city as a result of yesterday's outreach. We're believing for that. But here's the thing. Today, I don't know if you noticed, it was a little hot last week. You guys notice that? And so it probably reminded some of you, man, it's time for me to start working on my 12-pack. You know, I got to start working on that. We're going to help you with that because what we've got is we have a 12-pack of flyers that we're going to hand you on your way out. And uh, we're, we want you to invite your neighborhood. We want you to invite your family, your friends, your coworkers, we're going to give you a 12-pack uh, to invite people to Easter weekend here at Elevate Ministries. Bring them along with you, and let's just see what God won't do. Amen? I think it's going to be fantastic. All right, let's get into the, the Word this morning. If you've brought a tithe or an offering to the Lord, you're, you're prepared to give today. Uh, we have giving boxes that are located in the rear of the sanctuary. There's envelopes behind the chairs. Uh, if you're giving with cash or check, you can give that way, and then just drop it in the, in the offering box on your way out. If you're giving electronically, you can do that now. You can just Scan that code or go on our app and you can give safely and securely right there. We appreciate every person that gave, and we want to wish Pete a happy birthday. (laughs) Pete is 70 years old, everybody. 70. Come on. Man. Also, I don't know if you noticed today, but there was like there was like some extra light that was shining from the stage today during worship. I was trying to figure out what it was. It just kept blinding me every, every few seconds. I just got kept getting hit by it. And then I realized it was Hazel's finger. There was something that was shining on her finger that I've never really seen in worship before. It turns out she got engaged last Sunday. Her and John are engaged to be married. I don't know where they're at. They're here somewhere. They're here somewhere. Where are they at? Oh, there's John. John's right there. Everybody. All right, John. Good job, bud. Good job, that's exciting. Anyways, uh, let's get into it this morning. Anybody like Offer Up? Yes. Come on, anybody shop on Offer Up? Because I love shopping on Offer Up, all right? And uh, so uh, the, the sermon title today is, is, is Offer There's Hazel right there, everyone. She was trying to, she was trying to hide. You were trying to hide. <laughs> Man. All right, congratulations, you guys. We're really super pumped for you, honestly. It's really, really cool. Um, but, anyways, anybody like Offer Up? I love Offer Up. I love OfferUp because it's just like you can name your own price. You know what I mean? Like for, for most things, people put a value on what they're trying to sell. And this is both positive and negative because I've also tried to sell things on OfferUp. Has anybody ever tried to sell something on OfferUp? Most of the time, what, you, what you'll find is you'll put something up there and you, you think, man, this is super valuable. Like it's, this is, I paid good money for this. It's worth this price. But you find out very quickly by people's offers that they don't view it the same way that you do. You know what I'm talking about? And certain people, they can offer you so low that you won't even hear anything they have to say. You know what I mean? You block them. I don't even want to hear from you again. I don't want to see your face on offer up, Never again. You're never entering my world, right? Uh, so you got to be careful with your offering. You know what I'm talking about? Like You have to be careful with your offering because if you offer too low, it won't be accepted. Actually, it'll get rejected, and so will you for the rest of your life from that particular buyer, okay? And so that, that, I was thinking about that this week And I recognize last week was our Heart for the House offering. And what a tremendous Sunday that was. Honestly, I mean, what what an amazing Sunday. Pastor Carl, he began to preach, and he was talking about how all of us, God's put a call on our lives. How many recognize there's a call on your life? God wants to do something with you. God wants to do something with your life that that you can't even really comprehend or understand with your own human thinking. It's just not possible. But here's the thing. God's given us a call, but he also equips us. Pastor Carl was saying last week, he equips those that he calls. In other words, he gives us everything we need to do what God's called us to do it's all it's all there and available for us and the problem is with us is our thinking oftentimes is too small our thinking is too small and that's the whole concept of this this theme we've we've entitled perceive it We, we, we we're talking about not looking at our life not looking at our circumstances through our own lens, our own understanding, our own experience level, but trying to perceive what God has for us, not through our eyes, but through his. Are you with me today? There's a baby back there screaming loud, man. I've I, taking my concentration. Close those doors in Jesus' name. I, God wants us to see not through our, circ, our lens, he wants us to see through his lens, not, not through our understanding, but through his, under, his, 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 his ways are much higher than our ways. How many know what I'm talking about? His, his thoughts are much higher than our thoughts. And and so it doesn't doesn't surprise me that that here's here's Jesus disciples. Thank you for taking care of that. Here's Jesus disciples, and they come to Jesus and they recognize that they are in they're in relationship with someone that has much higher thinking than than they do. And so they're in, they're, in, they're in Jesus' space, and they, they come to Jesus, and they recognize the difference between them and Christ is, 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 is perception. And so they come to Jesus, and they say this. They say, they say Jesus, increase our faith. I want to let you know something about our God. Our God is a God of increase. He's a God of increase. The God that you and I serve is the God of enlargement. He wants us to be able to see bigger, better. He wants us to see far further. He, he wants to give us eyes like he sees. And so the problem with humans is, is, is that we tend to reduce God and magnify problems. How many know that to be true? Like, we tend, in light of what's happening around us, we tend to look at our circumstances and look at what's happening, and then we kind of put God in a box and reduce him down and then magnify the problems and magnify what's going on around us. We make God smaller. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 34, it says this. It says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. That's what I love about coming to church. Because we get out from our own sight, we get out from our own circumstances, we come into the house of the Lord, the band gets up here and they begin to lead us in worship and all of a sudden we're not looking at that stuff anymore, we're looking to God, all right? We're magnifying God in light of everything that's happening and what, that, what we need to do is we've got to see him larger than we're currently thinking. No matter what you're thinking right now, God is bigger than what you're thinking, he, he can do more than what you're thinking. The heavens can't contain God. If the heavens can't contain God, your mind can't either. How right, I many you know what I'm talking about today? And so here we are. We're here on, on Palm Sunday, and if, if we're honest, if we look at the story of Palm Sunday, we would recognize that was the problem then. It was the same exact problem. Is that Jesus came riding in on Palm Sunday. It was his triumphal entry. He's coming in as a Savior. And so the people, like, the narrative is great. What's happening there is amazing. When you're reading the story, it's all, it's all lining up perfectly because the people are, 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 are laying down palm branches and clothes and, and they're, they're shouting, Hosanna. Hosanna, which means, save us, we pray. And so, I mean, all of this is just lining up perfectly because we know that Jesus came to save. And so here's the people and they're, they're lining up. The problem was, was their thinking. Because they thought that Jesus came for them at that particular time. Like they were thinking only only around their circumstance and what was currently they were going through, and they thought the reason Jesus came was to save them from this corrupt government, this corrupt political system. But here's the truth, is that Jesus didn't come to rescue them from the government. He hasn't come to rescue us from the government either. That's not why Jesus came. Jesus came to save people from their sins. Is anybody grateful about that today? Come on. He came to rescue people. They thought that he came for them at that particular time, but Jesus came for, for all people for all time. So their thinking was too small. But you see the same type of thing all throughout the Bible. Like you think about David and the story of David when he went to face Goliath. If you're reading the Bible, 1 first, first Samuel 17 the commentary around that story especially at the beginning the commentary is just how big goliath is like that's what that's what you're reading you're reading about the size the bible says that his the size of his spear is like a weaver's beam and we're like, whoa, that's that's amazing. We don't even know what a weaver's beam is. We just know it sounds big, right? You're like, man, a weaver's beam, that's that's pretty amazing. And and, and we start to think about how impressive this, this man must have been. And, and 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 you begin to think about Goliath and his size, he's nine foot nine, and and and, and here comes here comes David going out on the battlefield to fight this giant. Yeah. Meanwhile, all of his friends, his family, all the people that loved him they're kind of writing David off. Like they're seeing David march out there towards this giant, and they're thinking, oh, man, he's done. Game over. David's gone. He was such a nice boy. You know, you can kind of picture that. But the difference is this, is David didn't see Goliath as the giant. David looked at the giant and says, you come to me with your sword and your spear and your javelin and you come to me with another guy, an armor bearer holding up your shield and you think that I'm just this little kid coming out at you with some sticks. I'm not sure you really see what's going on here is what David's saying. I'm not sure you understand what's coming up behind me because I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And Goliath, you may think that you're the biggest man standing. You may think you're the giant in the valley, but the real giant is who you are facing. You're not facing me, you're facing my God. Are you with me today? Notice, I, notice Goliath, I didn't bring a sword. I, I don't have a spear, I don't have a javelin, I don't have an armor bearer, I don't have a shield, I, 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 I don't have any of those things, but I know that the battle doesn't belong to me anyways, this battle belongs to the Lord, and he's going to deliver you into my hand, and I'm going to remove your head from your shoulders this very day, this is what's happening in, in here, all of a sudden what we see with David, he's magnifying the Lord, He's not magnifying what's in front of him. He's magnifying the God that he serves. And so in every area of your life, that's what we need to do. That's what we must do. God wants to bring increase to you. He wants to bring enlargement into your life. And you might be thinking, well, I mean, that's great, Pastor Adam, but honestly, God's already blessed me. You know, I think about my life, and maybe you're thinking, like, God's blessed me. I don't really need any more. Like, I I think about it, and I've got enough money to pay my bills. I, you know, I, I'm able to drive a pretty nice car. My kids have the things that they need. You know, I'm good. And it kind of sounds noble. You know, it kind of sounds like, 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 we're, like we're, we're extra spiritual to say, you know what, I don't really need anything else from God. He's given me all that I need. I, I mean, I'm, I think that's wonderful. It sounds, it's a little bit selfish, but, but, it, but, it, but it's wonderful. But what about God enlarging you to the place where you're not only thinking about yourself and your bills? and your car and and, and your children. What if God was to prosper you and to bless you to the point that he's increasing you so you're not just thinking about yourself, but now all of a sudden, God can use you to bless others. That you're not just thinking about God's blessing you upon you personally, but all of a sudden, you're getting enlarged to the point that you recognize that God hasn't given me this just for me. He's not given this just so I I can bless myself, but maybe I can actually go beyond myself and bless others. I don't know if you know, Notice Destiny Rescue, whom we support, rescued over 100 children this past week. And some of you, you gave to that. And you think, man, God's blessed me, but not just so I can keep it to myself. I can actually extend and I can, I can use what God's given me to rescue children or help churches in Ghana or help churches in, in Mexico, bless the children of this sanctuary, participate in the Heart for the House offering, all of these things. God's blessed me not just to keep it, God wants to enlarge you, but it's not for you. He wants to do something with our lives. There's a quote I came across this week, and it says this. It says, man wrapped up in himself makes a very small package. So today what I want to do is I want to minister on the offering. Talking, The title of this message is Offer Up. And I want to minister a message on the offering in the wake of Of the single largest offering ever received here at our church and what I want to do today is I want to I'm gonna do my best to to help you understand why we're a generous church why we why we value generosity I want to try to explain to you that why the offering that we received last week is so important it's so important and the reason is it's not because this offering meets the needs of our church and, it, and it's not because it expands our vision. And it's not because we really, really needed it. That, that's, all of those things are true, but that's not what's, what makes the offering important. We're generous contributors of our time, our talent, and our treasure. We value generosity. Are you hearing me today? And there's, there's value in a generous offering. But the value is not a, a dollar figure, That's that's not what's important about the offering, but the offering is such an important and vital piece of your relationship with God. I hope you can begin to understand this, that the offering, what it does is it locates your heart. It locates your heart. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk about life and death in the offering, and I'm going to do it out of a text in Acts chapter 4 and it's not a traditional text for Palm Sunday, but we don't do anything traditional here at Elevate Ministries, so that's okay. The Bible says in chapter four of Acts, verse 36, there's a guy named Joseph who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement. He was a Levite from the country of Cyprus, and he had some land and sold it, and he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So, so th- just to kind of stop and give you a little picture of what's happening there is that the early church has just formed. Acts chapter 2 is where God poured out his spirit, all right? The church was launched that day. It's Acts chapter 4 now, and the church is beginning to assemble. Like they're beginning to make, take some ground, and the church has a vision to reach the world. And at this particular moment, the church is flourishing to the point where a guy like Barnabas, he decides, you know what, I want to be a part of this, I want, I, want to, I want to somehow be a contributor to this. So he takes land that he had. He takes from his own wealth. He sells it and, and, and lays it at the apostles' feet. And essentially what he was saying as he laid it there was, I, 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 I'm so, beyond, I'm so uh, behind what you're doing that I want to be a part of it. I want to partner with you in the vision that you have to reach the world. I want to be part of this mission is what Barnas, Barnabas was saying. It's very, very much a picture of what happened last week. That's what, that's, I mean, that's a picture. This man had a heart for the house and was willing to put his money where his heart was. Are you hearing me? Barnabas was one of the first people to do this. So he sought, he sold land, brought it to the church, laid it at the apostles' feet. And so I want you to kind of, Tuck that away in your brain. We're going to come back to that later on this morning. Just kind of tuck that away. He took the money, and he laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, we're going to continue in chapter 5. So that ended out chapter 4. So chapter 4 was all about Barnabas, but it's the same setting. Like, they're in the same church service. In in chapter 5, verse 1. The Bible says there was a certain man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira, and they also sold a possession But he kept back part of of the proceeds, and his wife knew about it. And then he brought it and laid it at the apostles' feet. So you can see we're in the same story. But Peter said to Ananias, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And when it was sold, was it not in your control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart why have you not lied to men, but to God? Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. What a great heart for the house offering that must have been. Like, that was pretty, pretty crazy. So a great fear came on all those who heard these things. And, and then, then young men arose they wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him out in front of the church. Verse 7. Three hours later, his wife came in. Not knowing what happened. And Peter asked her, Hey, did you sell the land for this much? And she said, Yeah, we sold it for that much. Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of God? Look at the feet of those who've buried your husband or at the door getting ready to carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. Then the young men came in, found her dead, carried her out, buried her next to her husband. Happy Palm Sunday, everyone. All right, verse 11. <laughs> The Bible says a great fear came upon the whole church. I don't know. That would be pretty scary. I, I, I'd be thinking about maybe moving my, <laughs> my, my attendance to a different congregation as well. But the Bible says that through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all together in one accord, yet none of them dared join them. <laughs> all right? Because, but believers were increasing and added to the Lord multitudes, both men and women. Now, what I want to I point out in this crazy text, amazing text, is that, that the first recorded death, excuse me, in the early, in the first church, the first recorded death in the New Testament church was around an offering. But what's crazy about that is that when you just rewind all the way to Genesis and you're gonna find out that the first death in the Old Testament was also around an offering. Pick it up in Genesis four. The Bible says that Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering from the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel brought the fr- but but Abel brought from the firstborn of his flock uh, and their fat. And and the Lord accepted Abel and his offering, but he did not accept Cain and his offering. And so basically what you have is you have Cain, who's his job. He's a farmer, all right? He's growing fruits and vegetables, and he brings his fruits and vegetables to the Lord. His brother Abel uh, was was a shepherd. He brings a lamb, presents it to the Lord. God rejects Cain's offering of fruits and vegetables, but accepts his brother Abel's offering of, 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 of a firstborn lamb. Cain is ticked off. He is is upset. He's envious that that, that God has accepted Abel's offering. And so he's, he's bitter. He stopped talking to him to the point that God has to meet with him. And so God meets with Cain and says, Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted but if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now, if we just kind of continue along in that text, what you'll find out is Cain decided, I'm not going to do what's right. He lures his brother Abel out into the field and murders him. So what you see, and I want you to kind of picture this, what you, what you notice is that at the outset of Genesis, the beginning of, 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 of time, the outset of Genesis, and at the outset of the church, the offering has a death associated with it. I think anytime something happens repeatedly in the Bible, it's because God's trying to get our attention. Does anybody believe that in here? It's like God's trying to get our attention. He's trying to communicate something to us. Maybe he's trying to to, um, unload a principle for us to pay attention to. I believe that's what he wants to do, and I wanna try and tackle that this morning. God is a God of life, but he wants us to understand this. Are you ready? There's life and death in the offering. Now, you're thinking, why are we talking about the offering? We just gave an offering. Why are we we talking about this? Well, the reason we're we're talking about it is because of its importance. And and, and you can see in in an offering presented to God both life and death. And here's the crazy part. I I was thinking about this story in Acts. Here's Ananias. He comes in and he lies about what he sold his property for. And so there was something going on that was wrong in his heart. He was trying, he was, he was using the offering to be, dis, to, to deceive, all right? He was trying to, his heart was in the wrong place. But here's the crazy part, Ananias' name means grace. Aren't you grateful for the grace of God? Is there anybody here grateful for the grace of God? I mean, we can, we can, we thank God that that we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. All of us are going to sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. That's where the grace comes in. But the problem is if anytime you've, you can have grace, but if you violate God's principles, you have to live with the consequences. Are you with me? If you don't live right, life won't work out right grateful for the grace, thank God for the grace, but grace is not given to us so that we have a license to do whatever we want and to sin. The Bible is still true. You reap what you sow. The result of sin is still death. And so this tells me, when I'm looking at these two distinct stories, this tells me that God takes the offering seriously. He's serious about the offering. It's not something that we just casually do. It's important to God. That means it's got to be important to us. There's life and death in the offering, but the reason that's so powerful is this, and this is what God needs trying to communicate to us, is that you become your offering. Turn to your neighbors and say, you become your offering. You you become your offering. Now, as I was talking about earlier, you can't spell offering without the word offer. All right, and so I know some of you in here in this place, um, uh, if I was to come up to you today and I was to say, you know what, hey, Ray, that car you got out there, I really like that car. And uh, that, that Mazda you've been driving, man, it's clean, it's really, really nice. And I, I, I show me the inside, and you were to take me out there, Ray, and you were to show me the inside, the leather interior, just a beautiful, beautiful car. And I say, you know what, bro, I really, really like that car, I want to give you 50 bucks for it. He's already laughing at me, all right? Right? I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to offer you 50 bucks, all right? Now, it's an offer, but it doesn't have to be accepted. And chances are Ray's going to be like, get out of here, Adam. I'm, I don't care. I don't care if you're my pastor or not. I ain't accepting that offering. Well, this is what happened in the Old Testament with Cain and Abel. So Cain brings an offering, and his offering is made up of the fruit of the ground, so he's bringing his fruits and veggies to the Lord, and, th- and those are fine. We all need to eat those, all right? That's, that's important, all right? But what made his offering? I mean, he's a farmer. What else is he supposed to bring? And so we can read this story, and it kind of seems like, man, God's being a little unfair with this guy. W- w- what in the world makes his offering unacceptable? Well, all you have to do is just flip the page back one chapter. Because when you, when you read in Genesis chapter 3, you'll find that Adam and Eve have sinned, all right? They've eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, And and God is upset, but he can't curse Adam and Eve for what they've done. And the reason God can't curse Adam and Eve is because he's already blessed them. And God can't curse something that he's already blessed. Aren't you grateful for that? And so because he can't curse Adam and Eve, instead, in Genesis 3, he said, Cursed is the ground for your sakes. And so now Cain, who's a tiller of the ground, he's bringing something to God that God has cursed. Are you following me so far? And what Cain is saying is he's bringing this offering to God. He's essentially saying, God, I know you cursed this. I I know that this this has been cursed, but my works and my effort, look at what I've been able to do with it. It can compensate for, for what you've cursed. Abel, on the other hand, what Abel does is he brings an offering, and he knows that no matter what I bring, it's not good enough. So what he does is he goes where he, to, amongst his flock that he shepherds. And he's looking around in there and he realizes, no matter what I bring, it's going to fall short of the perfection of God. So what he does is he goes into his pen and he begins to look around. And what he finds is a perfect uh, 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 lamb without spot or blemish, just an innocent innocent species. And inside he says, and he thinks to himself, that the only way that I can atone for my life, which isn't great, The only way that I can be made right is that something innocent must die. Something innocent must be sacrificed on my behalf. So he presents this perfect lamb to God. And God accepts Abel and his offering, but he rejects Cain and his offering for that reason. And so you see this all the way throughout the the, the Bible, throughout the Old Testament, um, more more specifically. You know that in, in, in Exodus, God presents his people with the Ten Commandments. And if there's ten rules, it would seem to me that most people would be able to do that. And so God makes it really easy for his people to be in right standing, and essentially he says, if you'll follow these ten commandments, if you'll just simply keep these ten commandments, you get to enjoy everything I have for you. I mean, it sounds like a pretty good deal. Would you agree? It sounds like a pretty pretty good bargain, but here's the problem. No one could do it. Not one person could, could, no matter how hard they tried, but that was the point of the commandments in the first place, that, that no one could, could keep them. No human being could keep the commandments, and, 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 and you, we get to where we are today, and we recognize that's why all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that there's none righteous, not even one, that all have gone astray. That's, that's why we need a Savior. Are you seeing this? And so because of their sin, because they couldn't just keep those ten commandments, they would very often have to bring sacrificial lambs to, as offerings to the Lord. And you read in the Old Testament, man, they're, they're, killing, they're killing sheep all the time. Like, it's, it, it's nonstop. Every Passover, everybody's bringing a Passover lamb. Every Yom Kippur, they're bringing an atonement lamb as a sacrifice, Literally every week they're bringing a lamb, a sacrificial lamb, specifically on Yom Kippur. A lot of times we're we're in our calendar and all of a sudden you'll see Yom Kippur and you're like, I have no idea what that is. Well, what Yom Kippur is, it's a Jewish holiday where they celebrate, it's a day of atonement. And what happens on the Day of Atonement is is, is God's people would have to find, they'd have to go out and find a spotless lamb. And this lamb would have to be a one-year-old male. It had to be completely perfect, without any spot, without any blemish on it. I'm talking as perfect as it could possibly be without wrinkle. And they would bring this lamb, and they present it to the high priest. And then the high priest would go through a series of examinations. Literally, the lamb would be examined three times. So, I mean, this is a big, big process. And once the lamb was, was deemed to be acceptable, the high priest would place this lamb on the altar. And then he, the Bible says he would lean on it. He would, he would place his hands on it. And in this, this atonement, what would transpire in the spiritual is that God would transfer the sins of, 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 of all of His people, they would be transferred in that moment, this day of atonement, be transferred to the Lamb. So all of the sins of God's people would be placed on the Lamb, and at the same time, the righteousness and the, and the, the innocence of this lamb would be transferred to God's people. And then what would happen is is that lamb would be, would be sacrificed. There would be blood pouring out on the altar. That lamb would give its life as a sacrifice, as an atonement for all of God's people. Are, are you with me today? And, and, and the, the innocence of the lamb, so the sin of the people would be transferred to the lamb. It would be sacrificed. And then the innocence of the lamb, its perfection and its righteousness would be placed on the people. It's the day of atonement. The lamb would become the sins of Israel And Israel would become the innocence of the lamb. Do you follow that? So now we fast forward to the last book of the Old Testament. Now this is something, this sacrificial lamb, this offering, this process has been going on for for, for thousands of years. And so now you fast forward to, to the last book of the Old Testament. And God's talking to his people in the book of Malachi. And he says, you've messed up. You you've defiled my offering. You, you've, you've messed this whole process up. And the people, they're, they're like, wait a second, God, what have we done? We haven't how have we defiled your offering? And in verse 8 of chapter 1, he says this: he says, When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, isn't that wrong? And when you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? And so here's what's happened over time. Is God's people had slowly moved away from what was acceptable to bring as an offering, to the point now where they're just offering God the worst of what they had. And God's like, "Hey, man, you're bringing me blind lambs, lame lambs. You're bringing me a lamb that banged into a tree and lost its mind and, and disease. You're bringing these. It's it's unacceptable." And the people are responding to God, and they're like, God, why would we, I don't want to give my best lambs. I mean, I mean, isn't the, this one's got a broken leg. It's going to die anyways. It's just going to be sacrificed. This one walked into a tree and lost its eye. I mean, I don't see what's wrong with that. It's going to die any, anyways. Well, why can't I just present a blind lamb or a deaf lamb or a crippled lamb? And, and what God was trying to teach the people is that you become your offering. Are you with me today? You be, if you present the blind, guess what? You become blind. If you, if you, if you present the lame, you, you become lame. And so now Jesus comes along. You flip the page from Malachi to Matthew, and all of a sudden now you're, you're, you're right there in the middle of the gospels. And, and so now Jesus comes along, and Jesus represents God's offering. Are you with me today? Jesus represents God's offering. And all of a sudden, Jesus is walking along, and his cousin John points at him and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Let me tell you what Jesus is. Jesus is the one perfect sacrifice. He he is the acceptable offering. And here's the thing about God. God never asks us to do something he doesn't do himself. All right? So, So here's Jesus. Jesus goes to the cross and what was happening in that moment was the same thing that was happening with the high priest on the day of atonement. Because we also have a high priest. It's God. And so when Jesus was on the cross, it's a picture of God leaning on his own son, Jesus. Are you with me today? And as God leaned on Jesus, the innocence and the righteousness and the perfection of Jesus was, pulled, was transferred from him to us. Meanwhile, our sin our, our shame, our guilt was being transferred to Christ. It was a day of atonement when Jesus went to the cross. Are, are, you, are you hearing me today? And when Jesus was on the cross, when he made that exchange, he took the sins of the world and put them on Jesus. Why? So that we could receive his identity. So that, we, so that the world could become like Christ. Something we could never do on our own so that everyone that would believe in him would have salvation. That they would have his nature living on the inside of them. God never asks you to do something that he won't do first himself. So God put Jesus on the cross so that you and I could be free from our sin. Is anybody grateful about that today? In other words, we owed a debt we couldn't pay. So he paid a debt that he didn't owe it was it was an offering here's the crazy part it was God's God offered Jesus but Jesus became our offering you become your offering when you receive Jesus into your heart his sacrifice becomes your offering and because Jesus is your offering for your sin you now have the power inside of you to become like Jesus. Is anybody feeling what what I'm saying here today? Jesus is our offering. And because you become your offering, because Jesus is our offering, when we offer Jesus as, as a sacrifice for our sins, guess what, all of a sudden, we have the power inside of us to become like Christ. Now I can become like Jesus, so as he is, so am I. We're becoming like Christ. You become your offering, and that is why your offering is so important. That's what you need to grab a hold of today. It's not about the dollars. That's not what this is about. You become your offering, and that's why what you offer to God is so important. You see this all the way through scripture. He who waters will be watered himself. He who refreshes will be refreshed also. If you give, it will be given back to you. You become your offering. Anybody see what I'm talking about today? Now, the offering, what you need to understand about the offering is this, is that God is not trying to get something from you. He's only trying to get something to you. You A lot of times, that's how people view offering. All right, It's that time in the service where we kind of check out because the church needs our money. God's, God's, trying, God's asking for our money. I'm going to tell you right now, when it comes to the offering, God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your money. The Bible says that, that he paved the streets of heaven with gold. So what's most precious to us is very common in heaven. He doesn't, he doesn't need your money. So if God doesn't need our money, why is he asking for it? He doesn't need our money, but he still asks for it. So if he doesn't need our money, why is he asking for it? Does that ever bother anybody in here? No? If God doesn't need our money, but he's still asking for it, maybe it's because it's not about the money. Maybe it has nothing to do with the money. Maybe that's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, God uses money to locate your heart. Are you hearing me today? Jesus is trying to help us understand it's not about money. It's not about dollars. It's about your heart. You can't separate your heart from your treasure. God knows this. In Matthew 12, the Bible says, A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. You become your offering. An evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. You become your offering. Treasure and heart go hand in hand. And so the reason God asks for your treasure, it's not about the treasure. It's about your heart. The Bible teaches us if God has your heart, there's nothing he'll withhold. That's what the Bible says. So when God's looking for a king, we can go back in the Old Testament and see pictures of this. God's looking for a king. He's already chosen David. He's the least of Jesse's sons. So when Samuel... The priest that's going to anoint and and, and find the next king. When he gets to Jesse's house, all of a sudden Jesse parades out his oldest son, a guy by the name of Eliab. He's a commander in the the army. He's six foot five. He's he's good looking. He's sharp. I mean, he's he's, he's like, man, you think Samuel's like, that's got to be the one. And God says, don't even look at him because I've rejected him. I've refused him. Why? Because I don't see like you see. I see differently. Man looks at the outward appearance. Where does God look? God looks at the heart. And so I found among the sons of Jesse, God says, a man after my own heart. Listen, God exalts. God brings increase. God promotes according to your heart. That's how it works. And so what you'll find in this life is that you're going to vacillate between two states. You're, and I'm not talking about states in our country. I'm talking about two states of being. You're going to vacillate between a test and a trust. Are you hearing me today? A test and a trust. We're going to continually, we're going to be going back and forth in our life in Christ. We're going to be going between those two things. We're either in a test or we're walking in a trust. You see this in Genesis 22. How many of you guys remember Abraham? Yeah. Abraham. It came, it came to pass that God tested. Somebody say Tested. He tested Abraham and said, Abraham, Abraham said, here am I. And he said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I tell you. You're either in a test or a trust. And right here, Abraham finds himself in a test. And literally throughout Abram's life, you'll find that he, God went from testing him to trusting him, testing him to trusting him, all, all, all through his life. And, and he's, testing, he's passed the test, and God trusts him. And so here, right now we see him in a test again. And here's the truth. Every time you find yourself in a test, it's because God wants to know, is this where you're going to tap out? God, God's trying to figure out, is this where it stops with you? Is this, is this your limit? Because a test is not God trying to get something from you. A test is meant to, for God to get something to you. The Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, most of you would know Abram's story. He's 100 years old. His wife's 90 years old. Well past childbearing age. God's promised him a son. But he, hasn't ha- he doesn't have it. He has no evidence that it's going to happen. But he believed God that it was possible even though every circumstance says it wasn't. And so God gave him a miraculous son, this child named Isaac. And you can just imagine how content Abraham must have finally been when his son is born after 100 years, 100 years. And we hear that so many times, we just stop thinking about it. My grandpa just turned 100 years old. That's an old person. Hello, that's an old person. I I can't imagine uh, trying to have a baby at 100 years old. But, But all of a sudden, God gives Abram finally. He gives them a son. So now we get to our text. Fast forward 12 years. Because now Isaac's 12 years old, meaning Abram's 112 now. His wife, who was 90, is now 102. Like these, I mean, this is, this is, this is crazy. And now God tells this 112 year old man who he just gave a son, What well, I want you to do, Abraham, is so I want you to take that son and I want you to sacrifice him as an offering for me. And what's amazing is that Abram says, Okay. God had to test him before he could trust him. Before the trust comes the test, verse 3. So Abram arose early in the morning. 112-year-old Abram rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two young men with him, and Isaac, his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering, and he went to the place which God had told him. So Abram, uh, uh, verse, go ahead. So Abram took the wood of the burnt offering and placed it on Isaac, and he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, the father, and said, Dad, I see the fire, I see the wood, but where is the lamb for the offering? What Isaac doesn't recognize is he is the lamb. He, he is the offering. That's what he has to recognize. Now, I'm sure in this same story, you just fast forward to the New Testament, it's a picture of Jesus. It's a picture of Jesus who's walking along just like Isaac would have been. He's walking along. All of a sudden, his cousin says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. All of a sudden, there's this, there's this similarity we're seeing between the two stories. So Abram takes Isaac. He places him on the altar, which is amazing to me. Because Isaac's 12 years old. He easily could have taken down a 112-year-old dad. Right? He laid down on the altar and he's like, uh, I guess. I mean, I, 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 I. he didn't fight. He trusted his father. It's like you can almost picture Isaac, this 12-year-old kid, looking into the eyes of his father, recognizing the love and the tears that Abraham's obviously feeling. What a picture of the father and Jesus the son. It was, it was the same way as Jesus was on the cross. He had to look up to heaven and, and trust his father. He said, into your hands, he says, I commit my spirit. The son trusted the father. Humans are shouting, crucify him, crucify him. He saved others. Him, he himself, he cannot save. If you're the Messiah, come down and we'll believe you. And he had to sit there in the midst of all of that and trust his father. So you can picture Isaac, he's laying on the altar, and Abram begins to lift up the knife to plunge it into his own son as an offering to God. And all, the, all of heaven yells, stop. And in verse 12, God speaks to Abram and says, don't lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know, God says, that you fear God. Since you've not withheld your son, your only son, from me, verse 15. And because... You have done this thing, and have not withheld your son, your only son. Look at it. Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as stars of the heaven, as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. See, God wasn't trying to take from Abraham. What God was trying to do was get something to Abraham. The offering as it was in Abraham's day, it's the same today in our lives. The offering is God trying to get something to you, not take something from you. Now, I want to close with this. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Because I asked you to kind of tuck away the story of Barnabas. The story of Barnabas takes place, Acts chapter 4. He sold his possessions. He sold his house. And we know what happened. He laid it at the apostles' feet. He laid that offering at the apostles' feet. Now, in Acts chapter 4, Barnabas was just a a, a new disciple. All right, he's just a new convert. He's just excited to be a part of this. He's like, man, how can I I help? What, What can I possibly do? And so he takes an offering, a sacrificial offering, and lays it at the apostles' feet. I believe that's a picture of what happened last Sunday. Barnabas means son of encouragement as your pastor, to stand here and watch people give sacrificially, there's nothing that's more encouraging than that. And I know it would have been the same for the apostles. As they watched this young disciple, just, just started serving God, as he watched him go all in. And say, Lord, I wanna be, be a part of this. Here's the thing, whatever you honor, flows back to you. You become your offering. You become your offering. So here's Barnabas. He sows into the apostles' ministry. He he becomes a servant. He he, he becomes a missionary, a leader, a pastor. And then in Acts chapter 14, verse 14, the Bible all of a sudden says, but when the apostles, and look whose name is listed first, Barnabas and Paul. This, This young man, because he honored because he was generous as just a a young disciple that what that which was so valuable to him became his story he's now named as one of the apostles i just find that so fascinating his life reaps what he sowed You know, when we came here to Orange County. I shared this a little bit last week. Honestly, we, I, I was raised in Kingman, Arizona, this little hick town. It's got two exits on the freeway. Like, I ordered clothes out of a catalog. It wasn't, there's not stores there. Either we ordered them out of a catalog or some lady made them for me in the church. I mean, there's pictures of me wearing like like this little ten-year-old kid I'm wearing like a cowboy country western shirt with an adult collar on it you know what I mean so the collar like went down to like belly button side so anyways that's a little picture so we came here it was a big move for our family to come here and I remember as a kid I didn't really understand what was going on I didn't recognize even the sacrifice my parents were making I didn't I was just a real young kid all I knew is what I was told what are we doing? Why are we moving? Well, we're going to do a work for God. And that kind of became language, right? Just became what we, what we did. And so we came here and we, we put a little small building together and set up some chairs. My parents invested there, all of their, 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 their life savings to do this. Whatever they would got to this point, they said, let's go. We're going all in. Roll the dice. I didn't recognize the sacrifice. I just all of a sudden walked into this little 1,700 square foot building and 50 square, 50, you know, metal chairs. And we built a little, 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 little altar. And my dad grabbed a guitar. And we just started having church on Sundays. And then on, on Mondays, we go and witness and share and outreach and Tuesdays. And we have midweek service on Wednesdays. And, I mean, literally, every single day, it was a heart. We're doing a work for God. It was why we lived. it's, it, it, it's, it's. It's everything we did. As I began to grow, grow a little bit and age a little bit, I, I started to want to, 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 to do that too. Like I wanted to be a contributor as well. And so as a young kid, man, I learned to play the drums. I, 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 came to, I came to outreach and I participated in dramas. And, you know, I, 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 everywhere I could find a place for this little preteen kid to get involved, I did. Because I really felt, I believed that we were doing this for God. I saw how my parents gave everything they had to do this for God. I just wanted to be a part of it. And so literally, if you were to ask me, man, why did you guys do that? Well, we wanted to, we to. we're doing a work for God. But here's the truth. When I look back over my life, I look back at all that I've been a part of. I've been a part of so many things, like, it's crazy. But when you just kind of boil it all down, because there's a lot of cool things that you do in life. But not everything is really important. But when I think about the important parts of my life, I realize that every, all of my best relationships in life have been formed as a result of this church. All all of the friends that I have, I developed right here. I think about all the things that I've been able to do and learn and be a part of. I developed all of those talents, all of those. I developed them right here in the church. I learned how to, use them here. I married my wife in this building. Yeah, I mean, I, right here, we, had a, we actually had a center aisle. It didn't look like this. There was pink curtains back here, big flowers in front of the podium, big oak. It was beautiful, wonderful. We got married here. And I mean, think about my kids. All three of my kids, I, I, I brought them up on this stage. I dedicated them to the Lord here. And then I watched them learn to use their gifts. I think about all of the things that i'm so when i look at my life that i'm so grateful for it's all happened as a result of this thing that i was building and i realized wait a second this whole time i thought i was doing this for god and really it was god doing it for me that's the power of the offering that's the power of the offering because when you're generous and you give of your time, your talent, your treasure, it flows back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, you can't, even com- you can't even comprehend what God wants to do. And, and I, 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 rec- I recognize today that the offering is never God trying to get something from me, it's always God trying to give something to me. And so this morning, I'm excited to announce to you that I believe that God's heart is pleased with the generosity of this church. It's, it's mind-blowing. Last week, we presented to the Lord what, what, what became the single largest offering we've ever received at this church. Last week, $83,258 was given. Come on, get, let's give the Lord some praise for that. Come on, it's fantastic. Yeah. Incredible. I know some of you, some of you right now, you're like, man, you could see, you're looking there and you see your part already. You see in the part that you played, you're looking at that figure, you recognize I'm part of that. And I, I just wanna, I just wanna, I, I don't think we're done yet. I, th- there was offerings that were still c- coming in. People were out of town or whatever. Maybe you, maybe you haven't given to the Heart for the House offering and you wanna be a part of that. I, I don't believe that's a final figure. I believe that's gonna continue to grow because we have a generous church here. It's, 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 it's mind-blowing. And throughout this week, as I've been thinking about today, Traditionally, this is Palm Sunday. Normally, you don't talk about people dying uh, like Anais and Sapphira on Palm Sunday. I recognize that. But what I felt this week is I really felt in my heart that God was just proud of his people, that he was, he was just, just proud of the sacrifice. And it's not about the dollar amount. What the dollar amount represents is heart. God's after heart. And I believe what God, what what that what that figure shows is the heart of this church that there's an obedience and a heart for God and excitement to be a part of what God's doing in this time in this hour and I believe I feel your heart towards God and I I believe God has a heart back towards you he sees your heart for this house and I want to tell you something you become your offering I I I don't think there's any limit to what God wants to do because we've I believe that what that says to me is we've passed that test And so now God can trust. How many believe that God can trust? I'm I'm proud today because there's life in the offering. I'm proud because you become your offering. I'm proud because the offering is not about God trying to get something from you. It's about God trying to get something to you. And I think for many that are in this room, you passed the test. You passed the test. Thank you, Lord. Maybe we could just bow our heads all over this room this morning. I spoke earlier about the lamb. Talked about Jesus. He was pointed out and said, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He came to this earth, lived a perfect life, a sinless life. And then he offered himself up as the sacrifice, the one perfect sacrifice. And that sacrifice was for you and I. That because of our sin, we were separated from God, that that all of us have sinned, we've fallen short. And that sin separates us from a relationship with God. So Jesus came to repair that relationship. And when he went to the cross, he took your sin, he took your failures, your, your mess ups, he took those right to the cross with him. And the judgment of God was poured out on Jesus for your mistakes. But at the same time, the righteousness of Jesus was transferred to you. So that no longer do you have to live under judgment, no longer do you have to, to live separated from God, but you can enjoy a relationship with a loving God. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, I wanna, I wanna give my life to Jesus. I want to walk in relationship with God. It's very simple. The Bible says that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That if you'll confess your sins and if you'll believe in your heart that Jesus died for those sins, you'll be saved. And so maybe you find yourself in this room today, and you feel far from God. You find yourself in this room today, and you, you say, you know what, I, I, I don't have a relationship with God. I, I, I walk around, I've been trying to, to make life work and doing the best I can to get by and I just find myself every time, I just feel like I'm falling short. Let me tell you something, the thing that's missing in your life is a relationship with Jesus. And today's the day of salvation. God's not willing that any would perish but all would come to repentance. And so maybe you're here today You say, you know what? I wanna repent of my sin and begin a new life in Christ. If that's you in this room, maybe you lift your hand. I'd love to pray with you today. Is there anyone at all? You say, you know what? I wanna repent of my sin and I wanna wanna have a new life in Christ. If that's you, all over this room. just, Just for a moment, I see a hand right here. Thank you for that hand. Is there anyone else? You say, I wanna give my life to Jesus. Is there anyone else? Anyone else? You just lift your hand up all over this room. Just let me see it. I wanna pray with you today. I wanna give my life to Jesus I want to have a new life today. God, God wants to give you a brand new life. Old things pass away. All things become new. If that's you, come on. Let me, let me see your hand today. I'd love to pray with you. Anyone at all? Anyone? Alright, someone who raised their hand, maybe you'd help me. Right here, right here. Clinton, come on down here, bro. Let's pray. Let's pray. Come on. Come on. Would you come, Taylor? Taylor. Amen. Amen. Come on, pray with me. thank you lord and we thank you for salvation we thank you that you're the one perfect sacrifice lord i thank you that you took our penalty you paid a debt you didn't owe lord that we wouldn't have to pay a debt that we couldn't pay thank you for that thank you for that lord thank you that you're our offering and because of that we have the power to become like you lord that our lives don't have to to reflect a world or a worldly culture Lord but instead we can have the living power of Jesus living on the inside and day by day becoming more and more like you if that's you in this room You that you recognize that every day you you what God's placed inside of you is 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 the ability to to every day be transformed how many are just slowly becoming more and more like Jesus you can see it in your life you can see it in your family you can see it in your kids aren't you grateful for that today come on if that's you would you stand up all over this room come all over this room Come on, let's 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 worship the Lord. Can we do that together? Come on.